0: Hey, what's up Miami Dolphins fans? This is Riley from Fin it to Win it. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you all after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Zlatan to Messi to Rapino and many more. Episodes will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So, stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal: Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So, for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Close to the end zone.
2: Zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown? Blake fake throws it. There he is. Leggings, and it's a big man touchdown in Miami. Miami
3: has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in
0: the Dolphins football, fans we're
2: assemble.
0: Amazing, your face is it never gets old, man. It never gets old. You you better get used to it because I'm sticking with it, man. I'm I'm all in on this bit.
3: <laughs> you know what? I I will say I I am used to it. Yeah. It, it's 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 sunk in. It's sunk in. But you know what, Riley? It's exciting cuz we know whenever I hear that awesome intro, Fins Up
1: Friday, baby. <laughs> it is Fins
3: Fendi- Up Friday. So maybe that's that's the reason why I'm smiling a little bit cuz I know what the episode is all about.
0: So welcome in everybody to another edition of Fins Up Friday, the show where you the Dolphins fans steer the show. You steer the conversation. I'm Riley. He's Mason. As always, we're brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. You can check us out at fin it To Win It on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so interact with us there. We got a ton of questions to get to tonight as the first part of our episode. We're going to get to as many of those as we can. We got some on Twitter, we got a couple of voicemails, and then later on, we're going to be talking to Miami Dolphins YouTuber. Doug Spuma, I'm very excited about this conversation, Mason. Uh, I'm a big fan of his on YouTube. You can follow him at DouglyDoWrong on YouTube and on Twitter at DouglyDoWrong. So we're going to talk to him about just, you know, how he got his YouTube channel started, how he interacts with his fans on YouTube, and of course, the Miami Dolphins and how they're preparing for the upcoming season. So we're going to talk to Doug here in a little bit, but let's jump right in, Mason, because we got a ton of fan questions to get to. And let's go ahead and start with Milton on Twitter. Milton says, how many games does Josh Rosen start next season, and why is the answer more than six? (laughs) So I I kind of thought of it as like a hypothetical. What if if Josh Rosen starts six games, what does that mean for the Miami Dolphins? Um, So I'm curious to get your take, and then I'll give mine.
3: Yeah, so obviously to answer that question, if Josh Rosen is starting six or more games for the Miami Dolphins, it it probably means one of several things. It's either A – he just blew everybody out of the water in the offseason programs. He looked fantastic in the preseason. He overplayed Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is just ready to rock and roll. I hope that's next probably options gonna be. More realistic. Yes, I was about to say, I'm starting, I'm starting on the more unrealistic side of things. Now let's move to maybe a little bit more realistic. You know, injuries, injury bug happens. Our 37 yeah. getting ready to be 38-year-old veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Injury bug hits him. He kind of Does not turn the corner. He regresses back to what we saw at the beginning of last season. Let's be honest, what he's done several times in his career. And Tua is just not ready, either medically or just not ready to get out on the field and be the starting quarterback. So if Fitzpatrick is hurt and the coaches do not want to put Tua out there, then yeah. I mean, th- there is a very good chance then Josh Rosen could be the starting quarterback for this team until the coaches feel like it is the right time to get Tua out there. So, those are really my two biggest possibilities. Obviously, the first one is more a little bit more of a tongue in cheek joke. But the second one, I mean, you never know. This is a league where sometimes all it takes is a year for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, their play to just decrease a ton. And then, of course, you know, the injury bug, it can happen anytime.
0: Yeah, I'm going to stick with that aspect of it. I think that's the most realistic. If Fitzpatrick, for some reason, goes down early in the season and Tua is not ready or the offensive line is not ready to protect Tua, that's a big key in here too, then I could see Rosen getting in. And it's very interesting because we're going to talk to Doug about this too, but we've talked a little bit in previous episodes about the preseason situation. If there's no preseason at all, we had talked about how big the preseason was for Josh Rosen to one, raise his confidence, you know, running this new offense. He's had obviously a rough start to his NFL career, but raising his trade value for the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I think he knows that, you know, the likelihood of him being the future starter of this team is slim to none with them drafting Tua. So either he's going to be the backup here or he's going to try to start somewhere else. And if he wants to start somewhere else, if he gets this opportunity, like Milton said, six games, that's a pretty good sample size, he's going to have to ball out. So Josh Rosen, I think is going to come into camp hungry. It's just going to be, does he get that opportunity? And I don't see that happening unless what you said, Mason, if Fitzpatrick goes down early in the season and they're not ready to throw two in there quite yet. So I think that's the only real scenario where you could realistically see Josh Rosen for an extended period of time. Let's go on to our next question. We're going to go to a voicemail here, Mason. We're going to go to Chris from Albany, so let's see what Chris has to say.
3: Hi, this is Chris from Albany, New York, and my question for you guys is basically, what are your expectations for the Miami Dolphins going into this upcoming season as far as playoffs are concerned? Because with the added team in the AFC and NFC for the playoffs on that, I feel like an eight and eight win team is very likely to make it, just sneak it into the playoffs. And I mean, five and 11, considering that Jets loss at MetLife and the Redskins game where we decided to go for two instead of an extra point. Those are two wins we could have had where we could have been seven and nine instead of five and 11. And I just feel like eight and eight is very attainable. And I just
0: wanted to know what your take was on the Dolphins making the playoffs. All right, Mason. So Chris brings up a really interesting point because if you go back to last year, obviously we know They're expanding a playoff spot, one in each conference. So in the AFC, there's going to be an extra spot. And if you look at the 2019 standings, Pittsburgh was on the outside looking in. They were that first team and they finished eight and eight and behind them were four, seven and nine teams. So last year, the AFC was real bunched together. The Rams finished in the NFC outside looking in at nine and seven, followed by the Bears and the Cowboys at eight and eight. So I think his scenario is very realistic if things pan out like they did last year, and we had kind of talked about our expectations for the Dolphins this year, our realistic expectations. Obviously, we hope that this team can you know, accelerate the rebuild process and get to that 9-10 win mark. I think we're really hoping at least for an 8-8 eight and eight season. I would be very happy with that, and if you look at 2019's standings, 8-8 eight and eight is a realistic chance depending on how things fall into place for the Dolphins to make the playoffs as crazy as that might sound considering where we were at this time last year in the rebuild process.
3: Yeah. I mean, and that just goes to show you sometimes, you know, one year of rebuilding can really do the trick and, You know, if Miami can stay off the injury list, if Miami can make strides on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line, especially. Yeah. I mean, uh, getting two or three more extra wins next season, that's definitely obtainable. And like you mentioned, Riley, four teams were seven and nine, including, you know, our, our bitter rivals, the New York jets. So for the dolphins to get two extra wins last year, they would have been seven and nine and tied for that spot. Only one game behind Pittsburgh at eight and eight. So It's definitely realistic, but once again, they are in a rebuilding process. We have to see how the season is going ahead. Not to say the Dolphins are going to tank, because I think they showed last season after they got off to a rough start, they didn't just lie down and let teams run over them. They they fought in their last month or two of the season. So it'll be definitely interesting, but yeah, I think Chris makes a great point. I think it's definitely obtainable that the Dolphins can add a few extra wins from this season and really be in the mix for that.
0: Totally agree. I think they'll be in the mix. I'm hoping that they're in the mix because that means they're taking that next step that we hope to see. Obviously, this team is much more talented by all of the talent they brought in through the free agency and the draft. It's just all the pieces coming together, building that chemistry uh, with the Miami Dolphins this year. So a lot of things need to fall into place, but it's not out of the question competing for that new wild card spot. All right, let's move on to our next question. Finn's Focus on Twitter asks and it's very ge- generic so we can go whatever route we want here mason do you think the offensive line will hold <laughs> through the season i'll just let you kind of you know let that simmer <laughs> i am gonna let you take that and run where you want with it
3: all right so the, the word hold i'm gonna guess they're they're meaning by that do we doesn't think the crumble offensive- <laughs> yeah doesn't crumble like it like yeah it doesn't crumble um You know, I'll be a little pessimistic on this. Riley likes to make fun of me. He likes to say I'm more the pessimistic (laughs) one out of both of us. Um, Listen, we talk about this. We've talked about this a lot. We're actually going to talk about this too in our interview with Doug, but the offensive line is going to have an uphill battle. The fact that the Dolphins aren't going to be practicing as much during the off season, the preseason games are going to be limited. There may not even be a preseason at all. We could potentially have four or five new starters on this offensive line. So, Will the offensive line hold? Well, when you bring in five, four to five new starters, it's going to take time for them to build chemistry. Now, as they're building chemistry, there's things like injuries. There's things like players not performing to their level. And here's another thing. There could be two or three rookies on this offensive line this season, starting and playing a good amount of minutes. So, I'm going to say, will the offensive line hold? Even though it's very generic, if I had to give a yes or no, I'm going to give more of a no to this. Do I think the offensive line will improve as the season goes on? Yes, but it's going to take a while for this unit to really build that chemistry and be consistent for the Dolphins.
0: So I'm going to say they will finish better than the worst offensive line in the league. I know that's quite the hot take. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that they will. I'm going to do air quotes here. They're going to hold. Through the season. And I say that because they've added a lot more pieces. So now they actually have some depth on this offensive line, something that they did not have at all last year. You were talking about undrafted rookies starting multiple games on multiple spots on the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins last year. That's not what you're getting this year. You're getting one first round pick, another second round pick, Maybe even another draft pick in Solomon Kenley. Who knows? He may be able to fill in that spot at guard. But you also bring in free agents with Ted Karras at center, Eric Flowers at left guard, and then Dieter is very versatile, so you can move him around. Jesse Davis, going to compete for that right tackle spot, can also play guard. So you have some options. And the Dolphins just had Zippo, zero options last year. So that's why I'm going to say, yes, they're going to hold. But, you know, my definition of hold is... (laughs) a little more loose than maybe other people have it. Um, So yeah, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to go to our last Twitter question and then wrap up with our voicemail. So our last question on Twitter that we're getting to today from Ian with the news of the Patrick Mahomes contract. Do you think this is going to have a big impact, not only on the dolphins, but the rest of the NFL love the show. Keep them coming. Thanks Ian, as always for your support of the show. We really appreciate it. So yeah, <laughs> Mason this Patrick Mahomes contract is nuts. I never thought I would see a 10-year contract in the National Football League. I think it's nuts when you see it in baseball, and now we're seeing it in yeah. the NFL. I'm not really sure how much this impacts, you know, other quarterbacks because I think Patrick Mahomes' situation is so unique just, you know, his age combined with he's coming off a Super Bowl win combined with his you know, unique skill set that he brings to the position. He's kind of like the future of the quarterback position in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how this is going to impact the rest of the league, but good for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, damn. <laughs> Over half a billion dollars in Mason. How much of that is
3: guaranteed? 140 million dollars guaranteed. Oh yeah, Riley, when God. when you just say half a billion, it, it it seems insurmountable, the amount of money he's getting paid. But you know what? This is the way sports are trending. You mentioned baseball. This is a contract we would be more accustomed to seeing in baseball, especially the longevity of it, 10 years. That's something you see in baseball a lot with players being signed to these lengthy, lengthy contracts. But listen, this is the way sports are going, and the NFL quarterback is the most prized position, not only in the NFL but probably in all of sports. So these contracts, they were bound to happen. Um, This locks him in to be a chief for essentially his whole entire prime of his playing career – Will we see another contract like this in the near future? Possibly. I mean, you look at someone like Lamar Jackson. Now Lamar Jackson's playing styles a little bit different than Patrick Mahomes. He yeah. still needs to show he can do something in the postseason. But if Lamar Jackson continues to elevate, because remember his first year starting to his second year starting, man, they saw a huge, huge, huge upside in the sky, especially throwing the football. He really did a great job with that. So, you know, We'll see what the future brings. As far as it impacting Miami, I really don't see it impacting Miami now. Of course, we have a hopefully future great quarterback waiting in the wings in Tua. If he can come on like Patrick Mahomes is, well, you know, that's not a bad problem to have.
0: Give him all the money in Steven Ross's (laughs) bank. Just throw (laughs) it at him. If he plays like Patrick Mahomes, give him whatever the hell he wants. (laughs) Just keep him in Miami. (laughs) I mean, obviously, it's a ton of money, but you know Mahomes has earned every penny of it I mean since coming in the league and getting his playing time you know finally getting his opportunity with the Chiefs he's just taken the league by storm so he's the best quarterback in the league he's projected to be the best quarterback in the league barring injury over the next you know five to ten years so it makes sense for the Chiefs they lock it up congrats to them I mean and congrats to Patrick Mahomes that's that's a huge contract.
3: Yeah. And one other quick thing, Riley, before we move on, but you know, if you think that, oh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's hit his ceiling, you know, they're, they're not going to get any better play out of him. You better think again, because he came out and said, I believe it was this year that he just started to learn how to read defenses. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
0: saw that. I,
3: I don't take him for a liar. I really don't. He seems like a, a genuinely honest, humble guy. But for him to come out and say that, that means he's just been slinging the ball around his first few years, and he's just like, okay, I'm actually starting to read the defense now. So very scary thought for the rest of the NFL and especially the AFC, that this guy is just now starting to be able to read defenses to learn more about what he needs to do as a quarterback and play against certain defenses. So, you know, pretty astonishing.
0: All right, so let's wrap up the fan portion of this Fins Up Friday episode. We're going to go to another voicemail, Zo from Charlotte. Let's hear what Zoe has to say.
3: what's going on? is Zoe from Charlotte. Uh, my question is what player, offense and defense, are going to be looking on the outside in due to the amount of players we receive offensively and defensively? What starter or potential starter, offense and defense is going to be on the outside looking in again? good job. Keep the show going. Thank you, bro. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question from Zoe because obviously the Dolphins, they brought in a lot of different free agents and the draft picks on both sides of the ball. And there were a lot of guys last year who kind of had to fill the gaps for Miami as far as starting. So there are going to be some casualties because of that. The first thing that really comes to mind is Kalen Bellage on the yeah, offensive side the low of the ball. low-hanging fruit. It is a low hanging fruit. It's an easy answer, but it's the first one that really came up to me. Uh, Someone who was given the keys to the car last year from Miami, he looked good in camp, didn't look terrible in the preseason. The Dolphins coaches, they were very high on him. Obviously, the offensive line had tons of struggles, but he didn't do himself any favors with that. Not saying Kalen Balaj is going to get cut, but we obviously know it. bringing in Jordan Howard, bringing in Matt Breida, they're going to get the line share of these carries out of the backfield. We may see Kalen Balaj at different times during the season if he makes the team, but he is someone who's going to really be fighting for a roster spot on this squad.
0: Yeah, and if you look, his contract goes through 2021. He's due to make just around a million dollars next year, around three quarters of a million this year. And if you look at his dead cap numbers, it's not a lot if the team decides to move on from him. So he's he's definitely an easy target considering, you know, his contract situation and how he played last year. But I could see him sticking around just for the fact that, I, honestly, I'm not that impressed behind Breida and Howard. I'm just not impressed very much with the Miami Dolphins backfield. And then that brings me to Miles Gaskin. I know he's on a cheap rookie contract, but I just don't really see when you get that deep into the depth chart, You have to contribute to the football team in other ways. Kalen Balaj, Patrick Laird, these running backs contribute a lot on the special team side of things. Miles Gaskin does not do that. So, that is something to consider when you're talking about play actually on the field because, you know, I don't think you or I really see Miles Gaskin playing much on the offensive side of the football for the Miami Dolphins this year. So, if he's not going to be playing on the field on the offense and he's not going to be playing on special teams, then why is he there? So that's that's another guy. And then if you look at the wide receiver position, it's there's just so many so many bodies, right? Somebody's gonna have to go. And I think you can look at a guy like Alan Hearns, especially if Isaiah Ford keeps ascending his game. I mean, he came in at the end of last year and was really the Dolphins go to receiver the last couple of weeks. I mean, Alan Hearns is a reliable veteran, but he signed that extension last year. He's due to make, I think, through 2021 next year, he's due to make around $3 million. So if the Dolphins want to save some money there in the cap, uh, he might be a casualty of the cap. We'll see. It's, it, I think you're definitely going to see somebody you know cut from that wide receiver group, especially with Kirk Merrick coming in, whether he makes the team or not. I know a lot of Dolphins fans and analysts are high on him uh, as well. So there's a lot of guys competing for a few roster spots at the wide receiver position. So on the offense, I see Belage. Gaskin and Hearns on the defensive side it's a little trickier um, I think you could look to Zach sealer on the defensive line just because kind of like Hearns they brought in so many bodies um, it wouldn't be a lot of money um, off the dead cap numbers so Zach sealer is someone I could see that played a little bit last year that uh, could be a could be a cut casualty in training camp this year
3: and just to add one more thing Riley you know you mentioned Alan Hearns he played almost 50 percent Uh, of offensive snaps for the Dolphins last season. It is a very crowded positional group for Miami. He earned the two-year extension in season with some consistent performances, but he still drops too many passes for my liking. He's going to have to clean that up, and there's just a lot of bodies in there. So yeah, Alan Hearns is a good person to mention for that because he could, even though he brings that veteran presence for the wide receivers, he could be a cap casualty or be cut.
0: All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the fan portion of this segment on Fins Up Friday. We're going to go to our interview with Miami Dolphins YouTuber Doug Spuma here in just a second. But first, a quick read, guys, from today's sponsor, Bet Online. Look, there's no shortage of action going on right now at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell them more?
3: sports rally they're slowly making their way back and bet online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all ufc nascar boxing and soccer matches if you need even more they still have the simulated nfl nba and ufc simulations all day every day live on their website looking for something else other than sports bet online has hundreds of casino games poker tournaments and prop bets to check out so what are you guys waiting for visit betonline.ag and use the promo code blue wire for a free welcome bonus that's one word blue wire bet online your online wagering experts
0: all right we're really excited now to be joined by Doug Spuma Doug has a YouTube channel Dougly do wrong Doug I'm a big fan of your work man I used to have a YouTube channel on my old show I actually covered the XFL back oh, in wow. the de- back in its heyday <laughs> oh wow <laughs> a few <laughs> months back um, before we started this gig covering the dolphins so yeah, very exciting to have you on been a big fan of your work. Um, thanks for joining the show. And I wanted to ask you with the whole YouTube thing. How did you get started? Like, what was the inspiration behind it? How long have you been doing it for just, you know, kind of the background of what got you started?
1: Definitely. Well, first off, thank you for having me on. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to uh, be joined by you two fine gentlemen. Um, I've been doing The YouTube, I've been doing the YouTube stuff for a a long time. I have a degree in media. So for, since I've been in in college, probably about like six, seven years ago, I started my YouTube channel and I had, uh, if you go like all the way to the back of the beginning of the YouTube channel, you'll see I have skits and and stuff like that on there. So I was doing that. And then uh, that's why the jersey has an 18 on it. In 2018, I, right as free agency is about to hit, I thought to myself, I don't see a lot of dolphin YouTubers out there. And yeah. then I always noticed that, especially me being up in New Jersey, whenever the Dolphins would beat a team, it was always how did that team lose, not how the Dolphins won, especially on NFL <laughs> uh, Network, ESPN, NBC, like the yeah. pre-show for the Sunday night game. It was, they never gave the Dolphins credit. And I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to take my degree. I'm going to put it towards something I love, which is the Dolphins so we started nice. the channel uh started a free agency if you go back and watch some of my first videos god they were bad <laughs> i'll make sure
0: to do that when we wrap up here <laughs> yeah,
1: the thumbnails are just real like plain and my like i had nothing behind me i remember
0: was- i was watching a video it wasn't too long ago you added that that light behind you and you were changing the colors of the light so you've been enhancing the space enhancing the set around you <laughs>
1: there you go (laughs) yeah it's it was literally 10 bucks and it's just these lights that you could stick on things and i stuck them on the shelf behind i mean yeah it was i slowly like the mic and then the camera the camera i always had because again i have a degree in it but like the mic i was like let me upgrade the mic so yeah slowly but surely just started to uh get more into it get more into like the whole youtube stuff and it just it took off and uh i haven't looked back and i keep just looking forward to bigger and better things.
0: Yeah, so you can follow him on YouTube at Dougley Do Wrong. Also on Twitter at Dougley Do Wrong. And then you're also featured on the Fanta Fan Network and DolphinsTalk.com. Can you kind of talk about your partnership with them? I'm not familiar with Fanta Fan Network. Is that something that's relatively new or something that's launching soon? I mean, everybody knows Dolphins DolphinsTalk.com if you follow the Miami Dolphins. But uh, the Fanta Fan Network, that sounds pretty cool. So can you kind of just talk about – your relationship with them and kind of just what you do with them.
1: Yeah. The, the fan to fan network is literally something brand spanking new. Uh, that's probably going to, their website's probably going to come out sometime either this week or next week. And essentially uh, this guy, Joe reached out to 32 different NFL YouTubers and brought them uh-huh. all together for this huge website to essentially it's called Fan to fan because it's voiced from the fans. Like it's not ESPN analysis. It's not like these hoity toity guys. It's from us. You get you get your facts. You get your information from us, from us fans to other fans. So it's a it's a huge website. They actually are starting a Twitch stream. So like Sunday before the games, Thursday, Monday night, all that stuff. You can go to the Twitch and also watch the stuff there if you're sick of the mainstream telling you like your team sucks because of whatever reason. Uh but yeah, it's 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 pretty big. And uh I'm very proud to be a part of it, and I'm also extremely proud to be a part of theoffstock.com. When they reached out to me, I was like, "Um, yeah, you can have, you can put my stuff on your website." Are you get what I mean?
3: Hey, Doug Riley mentioned uh, your set a little bit, and I know for podcast purposes, this is just audio. The people can't see your set, but if you check out Doug's YouTube, you can you can look at it. But you have a lot of awesome memorabilia and some interesting stuff behind you there in the background. Can you maybe? just point out a few things or maybe is there a piece of memorabilia you, you really
1: cherish over the other things? Well, this over here, I got that last Christmas from my dad. Um, if you've been following my channel for a while, you know, during the season, my dad comes on, he helps pick game, pick games for me. He does some of the post game stuff. What Amazing. Tell the
0: people what you're pointing at.
1: Uh, Dolphin helmet. It's okay. literally, I could put that on right now. It even has the warning. See, this,
0: Doug's a YouTuber. He's not used to the audio <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they want me to start a podcast. I don't know if I'd be able to. Um, <laughs> it visually oriented. <laughs> it has the warning label on it that you're supposed to read it as a player before putting it on. So it's like a legit helmet. Uh, that is pretty cool, but I would have to say my favorite, you can't really see it right here, is a legit autograph from Dan Marino. Um, he was part of the um, Columbus Day Parade back in, I'm going to have to say 2005, and one of my relatives was a part of it and got him to autograph it. And then the one up here, one of my subscribers knows Bob Greasy and got him to autograph that card, and he sent it to me, blew me away. So I think those two are the biggest. That jersey is a marino autograph, and then the finally got my own jersey with my number on it.
3: Yeah, it looks like you have a good wide variety of memorabilia. I do as well. So I grew up in South Florida. And my dad actually um, owned a boat dealership once upon a time. He actually sold Jimmy Johnson a boat who, who lives in the Florida Keys. No freaking for, way. I didn't yeah, know seriously. that, Mason. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> L- little new tidbit. Every there. Day. So, <laughs> a, as he sold Jimmy Johnson the boat, uh, Jimmy saw the picture of my dad and me, and I was actually holding a Dolphins helmet. Now, this is when I was young. This is probably back in like '96, '97 when uh, Jimmy took over as coach for the Dolphins. So, Jimmy was like, "Hey, do you want me to sign that picture for you?" My dad was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, his fandom kind of came out there. He was being professional for a while, and then all of a sudden, he kind of geeked out. and He's like, "Oh yeah, please, please sign it, sign it, sign it." <laughs> so that's something that I still have that I look at, and it's just kind of a random thing but you know pretty cool wow
0: I've known Mason for like over 10 years never knew that you never (laughs) told me that that's crazy
3: yeah pretty cool I also have a Dan Marino autograph now this is really strange so have two things that Dan Marino signed for me he signed a box of Wheaties that he was on the uh, cover of and he also signed a box of Flutie Flakes that I have so if y'all remember Flutie Flakes now I don't know how much that would be worth but my dad brought two boxes of cereal for some odd reason. I think it was just a joke for him to sign the Flutie flakes, but he obliged. He he was nice enough to do that.
1: Now, did Flutie on the on the cover of that box? Did Flutie have a Bills jersey on? Or? So I believe he did. Now I don't have it with me, the
3: box, but um, I believe he did. And it's like one of those where you can't show like the, you know, the emblem or anything yeah. related to Buffalo. But I'm pretty sure he does like have a blue, a dark blue jersey on. Uh, I don't know if the original box of Flutie Flakes had the, had the Bills jersey on it. That would be something to research. But, yeah. you know, it's still a pretty cool random piece of memorabilia.
1: And mm. if they would have put Flutie in in the playoffs, I think they would have won a Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and give my story since we're, you know, we're talking about stories of memorabilia and stuff. So on our show, I've talked about this. So people listening have probably heard me talk about back in 20, I guess, what was it, 2012? You know, it was the 40-year anniversary of the 72 Dolphins. And I went to this, before they played the Jaguars the next day, I went to this, like, special screening documentary about the 72 Dolphins. And, like, all of them were there. I mean, all of them. And afterwards, so I got to meet a couple of them. Like, it was really cool. Bonacati, got to meet him. Uh, Jake Scott, I got Garrow, your premiums autograph. Nice, <laughs> you know nice. the infamous kick.
1: <laughs> he almost cost us the, <laughs> the, the perfect season. <laughs> kick.
0: Yeah, he was like really nice though, and I was like, okay, you know that's cool. I got to meet some guys. I got, I got Dick Anderson's autograph, but it's like not even legible. Like it doesn't even look like <laughs> handwriting. But anyways, um, I am leaving with my uncle, and you know we have some memorabilia and stuff. And then literally, like we're walking like across the side door, and out comes. Bob Greasy <laughs> and I'm like oh hi Bob what's up man <laughs> so we just, like are walking with him he's like walking to the parking garage and like hey would you sign this cigar box my uncle brought his like legit cigar box he was saving it for like a Bob Greasy caliber player and right then Bob Greasy walks out signs oh the box God. took a picture with him so cool because we
1: thought the night was over you know like yeah. we were just
0: leaving and then Bob freaking Greasy walks out so <laughs> the fandom came out definitely then
1: oh my god that's the yeah, i would love because i haven't like i on the channel i've talked to richmond webb i had him on mm-hmm. which made me nervous because i don't know why uh, he's a great <laughs> down-to-earth guy but yeah. i just like if you notice you can only see me from like the people you you guys can't see me because you're listening but to uh, you know mason riley you can only see me from my like from here up Mm -hmm. so the whole time i was talking to um richmond webb i was doing this a lot i was just rubbing my hands because i was so nervous and then i talked to um vince beagle vince Vince beagle yeah that was a good interview super nervous there too like the (laughs) fact that he said yes i was like what (laughs) like i don't know if i could curse on your podcast i said more than what but i was like (laughs) wait what like because he i don't know if you guys know the story he he, tweet, he tweeted out a video of him beating his brother who played left tackle in college. Beat a yeah, bad.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. It so wasn't pretty. I,
1: I retweeted a GIF <laughs> where Will Smith goes, Oh, damn. He retweets laughing at it. So I was like, All right, well, there's your, you there's your like, opening. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me like 15, 20 minutes? And he was like, Yeah, let's do it. And I was like, All right. And I got him on the channel. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been trying to get others. Trust me. It's just, it's way harder. Vince is just really nice. Yeah, he's he's
0: a good dude. He's a down to earth dude, and it's cool. You got to talk to Richmond Webb as well. I mean, you're up to like thirteen and a half thousand subscribers. Can you kind of talk about like your relationship with the subscribers, with Dolphins fans? Like, we're a newer podcast. We've only been out just before the draft. We did our first episode. We signed on with Blue Wire Podcast Network, so we're kind of building. You know that relationship with the fans who have been awesome, by the way. But kind of talk about like your relationship with Dolphins fans. Some of the cool things that you do on your podcast to get them involved uh, with, with your YouTube channel.
1: I do have a bunch of things. One, I have a Patreon. Uh, that if you know, I don't. I never ask for these for anybody to donate money. I never ask for anyone to give money. But if they do feel like they want to help, I have. I think I have about 14 Patreons right now. I, I make them special videos. So if you're if you're a Patreon, you'll see videos where I literally show you how I make my videos. I show you how I edit with my you know dual monitor setup. I showed a ton of things. Um, they get behind the scenes stuff, and they also get like. I'll do live streams and they will be co-hosts, uh, They become moderators. That's the other thing. Every other weekend, I live stream more to talk to my subscribers, see how they're yeah. doing. They have questions. Uh, this is the one thing I do, and I love it, but I hate it at the same time, is I read every single comment. Every single comment. <laughs> Sometimes and put, that's dicey. <laughs> oh, my God. I put, the, I put the heart next to it just so they know I'm reading it. Um, and some of them are just like, I'm like, why do you watch my videos? Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, so that and then like I do giveaways, like recently I did a 10K giveaway um, of an uh, autographed 1997 uh, f- um, team photo. So like I, I nice. tried my best to keep in touch and interactive with my subscribers because you know when i was at like 5000 you know people were saying to me like hey man you're at 5000 don't forget about us and now that i'm at 13000 i just want to really show my subscribers um that i won't ever change and i'm always going to be that guy who's just it's just me right. literally i'm a dude in new jersey sitting in his office making dolphin videos and i don't want anyone to ever think that i'm better than anyone else so i always try to interact with the subscribers talk with them see how they're doing you know i wish happy birthdays to people you know reach out to people it's because i'm not famous i'm just a guy
0: it's really cool and interesting to me and mason too probably because we both majored in like video production as well Mm -hmm. so and i talked about my youtube channel i had with the xfl so obviously i feel you on the comments you know the xfl (laughs) got quite a few negative comments it was actually a really fun league but anyways yeah just the fact you know it's a lot of work man putting in, you know, video, just having to do all the editing, um, you know, just topics. I mean, doing it by yourself too. I had like three co-hosts on that show. So it was a lot of back and forth, but you're by yourself. So uh, yeah, it's just, YouTube is a ton of work. Um, But yeah, developing that relationship with Dolphins fans is something I've noticed on your channel. And I think it's one thing that makes you stand out above other channels um, on YouTube. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. You want to go ahead and talk about, let's, let's actually talk about the Dolphins. I mean, that's why we kind of eh, brought you on. You sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> Not just talk about how awesome each other are. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the Dolphins. So uh, let's go ahead and kick it off. I mean, I was kind of looking at some of your recent videos, and Mason and I actually did an episode that came out Thursday, if you're listening to this Friday, it came out yesterday, uh, where we were talking about the preseason sh- situation. So, originally, right, they went to two, and now the NFLPA saying, we don't want a preseason at all, which I think in most cases is a good thing, but I'm curious to get your take, and Mason and I talked about this in our last episode, how does that impact the Dolphins, though? I mean, you know, there are so many new faces on this team, obviously through the rebuild process, and it's such a young team. Like, not having a preseason at all, like, I get it, you don't have to go through uh, and risk injury, but Mm -hmm. especially, like, for example, the offensive line, you have so many new starters on the line, having the opportunities, the reps to work together. Uh, can you kind of just talk about your opinion on if there is no preseason, how that impacts miami specifically
1: yeah, um it's huge it to me it's very big, like you said, you know the 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 NFL owners um, tried to knock it down to two, so it would just be week two and three. Uh, Then the the players came out and said, no, we don't want it at all, which would be big because, like you said, my projected starters on the offensive line is Austin Jackson, left tackle, Flowers, uh, left guard, uh, Karras center, uh, Jesse Davis, right guard, and then we got Hunt at right tackle. The only guy that was on the team last year is Jesse Davis. You have four brand-new offensive linemen that – have never played with each other, but we found out, I think, like a few weeks ago or a month ago that they've been practicing on their own together, which thank the Lord in heaven, because the offensive line is, is hands down the weakest part of this entire team. It's, to me, it's offensive line that's tight end, not because Gazicki's bad, but be, there's no depth behind him.
0: And with the offensive line, you have just so many new faces, and it's like you know, there's so much communication and chemistry involved, like working yeah. together as one unit. Like yeah. reps are crucial. So the and, fact that, like you mentioned, four out of five could be new guys is uh, – I'm a little nervous
1: about it, man. Two of the five are rookies. <laughs> right? The at the
0: tackle position. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's just it's, – it's huge. And then you also have to think about, you know, your preseason. When you have training camp, you're just going up against your same – the same guys every day, every day, to the point where you start picking up tendencies so you don't really get a good understanding of, oh, you know – Austin Jackson's completely owning Agba. Yeah, but that's because he knows that Agba likes to throw, you know, a swipe at certain points or he likes to throw a spin. So he's just constantly timing him. Okay. Versus in preseason, you're going up against a brand new team. You don't know how, and then you can really gauge the talent on your team. So yeah, preseason for the players, the player side of this whole thing, preseason sucks. They barely get paid. Some of them don't even get paid during preseason. So if there is a preseason, they're going to put their bodies on the line not only with playing football but with what's going on for nothing and they might not even make the team so yeah. there's that player's side of it but then the other side of it is you also have guys that are just trying to make the roster you know these undrafted guys you know these kirk merits these wide receivers that we are super deep at wide receiver they need to get on the field so we could see hey will you beat out an alan hearns will you beat out you know a jakeem grant yeah um so to me i would like for a two game preseason, just so those guys get a chance that we can get more practice and see what we have, because, like, like you said, we have so many new additions, and it 's a brand new offense that a lot of people can struggle besides Fitzpatrick because he played in it um, i don 't know I honestly i 'd like to see a two game preseason, but the way things are going now with how pissed the players are getting i don 't know <laughs>
3: Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it 's trending to a two game preseason I mean, personally, what you said, Doug, I agree with for the Dolphins. So many new faces on both sides of the ball. This is the year I would want it to be for yeah. preseason games. But with the COVID situation, with the players annoyed, pissed off, like you said, it seems like it's definitely going to trending to two games. And, heck, we, might, we may not even get a preseason game at all yeah. this season, which is even scarier for the Dolphins with all the new offensive linemen, with a potential rookie quarterback that may make an appearance later on during the season. I mean, there's a lot
1: of new faces there. It's, it's definitely a little frightening. Yeah. 100% and you, we, you need that continuity especially not even with the offensive line but with the defensive line you know you got two brand new defensive ends you got you know a rookie defensive tackle and uh, Rayquan Davis you, you need Christian Wilkins to you know get some more reps you know he had a decent rookie year but two sacks I, I need him to do a little bit more than yeah. you know you yeah. need the the trenches are huge I constantly say this in my live stream Because everyone keeps asking me, hey, could the Dolphins win the division? The Dolphins have a top five offensive defensive line. They will win the division, but they have to have those things.
3: No, it definitely always starts in the trenches for a football team, like a house of cards. And luckily for us, the Dolphins really focused on that in this offseason. I mean, me personally, Riley jokes about this a lot. I I was sitting there on pens and needles waiting for the Dolphins to make that skill player draft pick. I knew they weren't going to do it too early in the draft, but as the second round went by, the third round, the fourth round, I was like, okay, when are we going to add some depth (laughs) at running back Luckily, they make the trade for Brita, but yeah, I mean, you know, Flores, Greer, they made a conscious effort to really solidify their offensive line and defensive line for the future, hopefully, fingers crossed. Last episode, Riley and I, he mentioned this, we did a Dolphins offseason report card. I think we want to ask you a few questions about this just to get your opinion. So I could start off by asking you, you know, what was the best move, but I'll, I'll go the opposite end. What questionable move do you think the Dolphins made in the offseason, whether it's free agency, the draft,
1: what questionable move do you feel like sticks out to you the most? I was hoping you'd pick just one draft or free agency. Um, In fairness – Mason went with a
0: free agent and I went with a draft pick. There you go, so. that's
1: true. So you go either <laughs> or. Um I could I could go with but I'll go both. How about that? So all right. the one that that's questionable to me, you know, with the draft, taking a center in the 6th round was always just like I'm like what are you doing? A um, long snapper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't I don't get that, but But he's the best in the country at it. All right. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have gotten him in the 7th. Um to me in the draft now Austin Jackson, I like I like the guy, I like the the character. He's super raw, a um, little bit of a reach to me. But again, I knew that if the Dolphins took two at five, the, the top tackles were going to be gone by 18, and yeah. they tried to move up, but no one wanted to pull that trigger. Noah Ibinagani at 30 was a head scratcher to me. Ooh. when I watch his film, I like his play. Yeah, but I'm like, you just you brought in Byron Jones you have X for another at minimum two years because of how big his contract is. Why wouldn't you take that and maybe, you know, take a set a safety, maybe take a guard there. So, you know, I'm not knocking the player, but I'm just knocking why you taking a corner at 30, especially trading back. I'm like, eh. And then when it comes to uh, free agency, I would have to say uh, Eric flowers. Um, you know, he, he had a great year at guard. Again, like, and I talked about this on my channel and people bashed me like, you talk so high and mighty of them." Yeah, but he, I'm not, you know, it is what it is at this point. But he had a great um, year at guard, horrible at tackle. Um, I just wish they would have went in a different direction. I wish they would have went out and got some of the other guys that I, I liked better than Eric Flyers. But hey, he could prove us all wrong and just come out and be dynamic.
3: Yeah, it's interesting you say Noah Ibn Aghani because Riley and I, we're, we're both pretty high on him. Now I will say... Riley and I, especially Riley, he really wanted that safety at the end of the first round, which, you know, they need, they still need pretty much. But um, the more film we watch with Ibn we We like what we see, you know, the raw talents there, the speeds there, and I love his position. I know you mentioned they have two top 10 DBs already in Jones and Howard, but he's coming into a great situation. He's not going to have to carry too much of a load. He's generally not going to be matched up against elite wide receivers. He's going to have a very interesting, um, he's going to have a specialized, he's going to have a niche role in that defense. And if he can start off slow and excel in that, it's going to give him great confidence because he hasn't been playing this position very long in his career. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And to add on that, Doug, I was like you. Okay. I was, when they draft and I think Mason was too, when they drafted (laughs) Igbenogany, I was like, I didn't look at any of the cornerbacks before the draft. I was like, wait, what are they doing? And yeah, he said, Mason said, I wanted a safety and I wanted one badly. I was a huge Grant Delpit guy like Mm -hmm. Xavier McKinney, but the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, is this an insurance policy for Xavier and Howard? So you bring in Byron Jones, obviously a huge contract. Howard is a huge contract, banged up knees his entire career. At the time, we didn't know his off-the-field situation, how that was going to play out. Mm. So I was starting to think, like, you know, he fits the mold of what Brian Flores looks for in a cornerback. You know, physical, uh, kind of that alpha, one-on-one type of, you're going to have to beat me if you want to make this make this catch. Uh, that's what he excels at. So yeah, are they looking at an insurance policy here in case Xavier Howard's knees just finally give out on him because you're you're investing so much money in a guy that, quite frankly, has been injured most of his career.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I talked about that because one of my subscribers asked, um, you know, say he gets injured again. What are the Dolphins going to do with Xavier Howard? Would we trade him, get something for him? And his contract's so big for the next two years and guaranteed money that if he did get injured again, they're... Uh, get a sixth if they're lucky especially you got a bloated contract with an injured player and at the very end of it because I love Xavier Howard after that Patriot game Monday night where he just picked off Brady twice (laughs) he closed the gap on Brandon Cooks and was just like he's just when the man's on the field he's absolutely ridiculous 2018 against the Colts T.Y. Hilton was like five yards ahead of Xavier Howard. Andrew Luck threw that ball and all of a sudden Xavier Howard closed that gap and picked the ball off. He loves to mess with the quarterbacks. When he's on the field, he's super dangerous. It's just he's got to get on the field. He's got a Devonte Parker syndrome where he's just so I at the end of my video, I you know, I talked about how much I love Xavier Howard, but then I played devil's advocate. And I'm like, you know, they didn't bring in Byron Jones and draft Noah Grenagne because they're hundred percent you know, on with Xavier Howard. So could be that, or you know, Byron Jones could be one of those Mika Fitzpatrick situations, and they might want to play safety and corner because he can play safety. Byron mm-hmm. Jones, you do both.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. We did an episode like a week or so ago, we ranked the position groups. You mentioned earlier in this interview that you thought the weakest ones were offensive line and tight end. So, I want to ask you about, and Mason and I talked about this in our last episode too, actually, the most improved unit so we've talked about a lot about the offensive line do you think it's the offensive line obviously the moves at running back i mean they added even more to the secondary so i guess you could make a case there so i'm curious what your take is on like what the most improved unit is going into this season
1: that's a good question because you know linebacker they added uh kyle van noy landed patrick i think that's his name and hill
3: landed uh, roberts
1: roberts thank you uh they added those three linebackers in you know Hill isn't someone you could just, you know, brush off like, oh, he's just going to be a special teamer. Super dynamic guy. Kyle Van Noy, he just fits the defense perfectly. That's why we brought him in. I th- I don't think the linebacking core was uh, that big of a problem last year. I really liked what we had. So, you know, to say that's most improved, I wouldn't. Um, defensive line was bad last year. We couldn't get a sack or stop the run if our life depended on it. And they bring in Shaq Lawson. Agba drafted a guy. Um, I'd have to say – but I I'd, I'd honestly have to say the secondary. It was probably – The most improved because we went into the second half of the season with practice squad players to the point where Brian Brian Flores was just calling up practice squad players, teams, yeah, and just throwing them in. A rookie, yeah, like hey, you want to you want to start next week? Yeah, sure. All right, well, you're gonna come to Miami because we need you to start next week. You know, Webster and like all these other guys. You just he was like, we need you to play. Just go out and we you know learn the defense, and we need you out there. So, uh, the fact that you know even if Xavier and Harrow does go down. Nick Needham, like you said, he had a good year last year. Was it f- fantastic pro-, pro Bowl style? No, but it was solid. You match him up with Igbenogany and Byron Jones, it's a pretty good secondary. You know, you got Eric Rowe back there. Again, another guy who wasn't a slouch. The only thing is who's going to play opposite of Eric Rowe. Yeah, is it going mean, <laughs> to uh,
3: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I love Bobby McCain. I think mm-hmm. he does a lot of great things. I just don't think he fits that strong safety spot for the Dolphins. Um, yeah, I agree nickel db i love him there but I, his size and i don't think he matches up well with tight ends the same way that eric rose showed us at the end of last season he could do i think you could make a really a good argument that any position could be the most improved position for this this roster just for the how the way players finished last season what they did in the offseason riley and i i think we were both in agreement running back i think riley on record went on the show and said Offensive line, but run, running back is a spot for us. We really love the moves. Bringing in a Jordan Howard on that super team-friendly deal, two years, yeah. ten million, and then the trade for Matt Breida. I, I hate to be dramatic, but it kind of almost saved the draft for me.
1: Oh, Besi- yeah. Besides drafting two, Mason obviously. was
0: salty <laughs> before that move happened. Super, super. Well, everyone super was salty. I'm,
1: we had um, J.K. Dobbins right in our hands, and yeah, then and
0: damn Ravens, always again, the Ravens.
1: C.J. Mosley all over again.
3: Yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, running back's a spot for us. Just the two-headed monster of Breeden and Howard, it looks so much better than what we came in last year with and obviously finished the season with. So if both of those guys can stay healthy, and of course, if that offensive line, it always starts there. If that offensive line can show some production and those players can, it may take a few weeks, but if those players can build that chemistry, the running game, I think, is going to be great for Miami.
1: Yeah, seriously, you know, our leading rusher last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> so, you know, anything could be better than that. 200 yards <laughs>
0: yeah not great not great at all um so let's go ahead and move on I want to quickly before we wrap up here I want to get your take on the quarterback situation so obviously the hot topic going into the season is we invest this number five draft pick into a I don't think that I, I don't know about you but I haven't seen this much excitement from the Miami Dolphins fan base in a hell of a long time it's yeah. it's it's been a minute so yeah. you bring into a the excitement builds. Obviously, the pressure is going to build on Brian Flores to get this guy in there. But obviously, you have the, the offensive line issues. You have the injury history. So, if it was you, if you're like Brian Flores, when would you feel comfortable throwing two in? Are you a big Fitzpatrick guy starting the season? Do you want Tua to sit all year? Do you want Tua to play when he appears ready? Or what? what is kind of your mindset of how the team should approach Tua?
1: I'm torn. I'm super torn with that because I – read and hear and think about both aspects you know fitzpatrick won us those five games if fitzpatrick wasn't our quarterback we probably would have went zero and 16 he really helped us to win those five games um and this is his offense he was with chan gailey how many different seasons so it's yeah. like you think about that but there's also fitz magic and there's fitz tragic and at some point are they going to pull a tampa bay with him if he has two bad games are they going to pull him out But then you got to think about, well, what are they doing with Josh Rosen? If Josh Rosen is still on the team, are they going to put him over Tua? Are they going to really sit Tua for the whole year just to have that hip be 100% even though he's come out and said his hip is 100%? Me personally, I'm just torn. I I just want the best quarterback out there. And if it ends up being Tua, then so be it. You know, a lot of people will say, well, he could get re-injured or, you know, the offensive line isn't ready enough. He could take a bad hit. It's football. Exactly. He's going to take a bad sack. It, it just is what it is. He just needs to that, – that was his biggest flaw was he needs to learn to let the play go. He needs to stop trying to make something out of nothing all the time because that's when he got injured. He was rolling out, trying to – and boom, took the hit. Interception in um, the LSU game. He was trying to make something out of nothing, causing yeah. a, a turnover. He needs to learn to just let it go. Throw the ball away. More often and just let it go. Um, so, me personally, I, I just want the best guy out there. So, if it's Fitz, if it's Rosen, if it's Tua, whoever's the best, whoever Brian Flores and Chan Gailey thinks is the best, put him out there. Let's win some games.
0: Yeah, I think you know, you talk about Fitz's up and down that, and you have Tua waiting in the wings. All the excitement around Tua, I just see a situation reaching its boiling point. And I don't think you know the coaching staff doesn't give a damn what fans think. Yeah, but especially the Brian front Flores. office does. And if the pressure builds to get Tua in there, uh, it's going to be hard for Brian Flores not to give in at some point. I think we're going to see Tua. I'm really hoping that Fitzpatrick can play well in the first part of the year and at least get to that, like the halfway mark. I know Mason and I talk about, you know, trying to get to that bye week between the Jets games, and Mm -hmm. maybe that's a good place to play Tua. You play the Jets, then you get get some tape on them, get Tua in there. And then you kind of roll with him. And then it gives the offensive line a little bit of time. So schedule's that,
3: brutal early too. Brutal yeah, very, schedule to start. October
0: the is rough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, I I I've eased my stance on it a little bit. I was a big I would like to not see Tua all season. I mean, a mm. dislocated hip is no joke. I am mm. very worried about our offensive line, even though we made all these upgrades, but I've kind of softened my stance. I would like to see Tua at some point. But I definitely don't want to see him, especially if there's no preseason. Oh, yeah. uh, that just sounds like a disaster. New yeah. offensive line, no preseason, injury-prone quarterback coming off a dislocated hip. Don't sign me up for that. Uh, I, I'd like to, you know, roll with Fitz as long as long as we can. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, Doug. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Hopefully, we can get you on down the road. Uh, we can, you know, dig into the Miami Dolphins maybe during training camp sometime. But follow him on YouTube. He's at Dougley Do Wrong as well on Twitter, same uh, handle at Dougley Do Wrong. And then you can check out his work at dolphinstalk.com and the upcoming, the new fan-to-fan network. So make sure you check him out there as well. So, Doug, thank you so much for the time. Hope to talk to you in the future. And uh, fins
1: up, man. Yeah, Thanks, man, Doug. definitely. I look I look forward to coming back on. This was a blast. I had a ton of fun.
0: All right. So a huge thanks to Doug from Dougly Do Wrong on YouTube. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter at Dougly Do Wrong. And you can check out his work also on DolphinsTalk.com. So that was a lot of fun talking to Doug. Thank you so much to the fans for submitting your questions, your voicemails this week. We really appreciate your continued support of us here at fin it to Win It. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fins Up Friday. We hope everyone has a great weekend. Until next time, for Mason, I'm Riley. Fins up, everybody.
2: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. Nil, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimović's brash confidence with the play to back it up to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's hand-of-God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.